It is good to see you here today. Thank you for being with us today. We are in the middle of a series, actually, and it's coming in chapters. We're in the second chapter of the story of reality. So we've been in the story of reality Christmas, which uh, will transition into a new chapter when we get into the new year. But the story of reality Christmas today, week three, is Christmas celebrated. For unto us a child is born. You're not celebrating. I'm going to help you celebrate a little bit this way. For unto us a child is born. On the screen, we have a picture. Now, for those of you who are guests or new, you don't realize that we've been waiting and waiting for our staff, Pastor Andrew and his wife, Shay, to have their baby long overdue arrived yesterday. So... Welcome Micah Walter Webb to the world. So here he is, and it's a beautiful thing. So it makes it kind of, brings it close to us, doesn't it? Unto us a child is born. We have to kind of shift gears because we're not here to celebrate Micah. We, we will celebrate him as a church family, but we're celebrating the arrival of not Micah Walter Webb, but the Lord Jesus Christ who came into our world. Yes. So, shifting gears again, it's like, uh, celebration during this season is filled with cultural pressure. We tend to sense that we've got to celebrate, and so we sometimes get into this kind of conundrum inside of ourselves that we're supposed to celebrate. Merry Christmas, and we don't feel merry. Joy to the world, and we don't feel joy. And sometimes there's good reasons people are really struggling, and sometimes for some people it is the hardest season of the year because of that pressure to celebrate, that pressure to experience joy, the pressure to come off like everything's great and inside everything is not great. So I'm hoping that even though we're focusing in on celebrating Christmas, that what I have to bring for us today is a great help to every one of us, regardless of where we are at internally and emotionally, and whether we're ready to celebrate or not celebrate, we're going to give you some helps in that direction. So I want to start with a quote that I've carefully put together. It's a reality about my life. I think it's a reality about your life as well because celebration is important to our lives and it's a battle to go there and we need to go there every day. And so here's the quote. Every day I am faced with a choice to make and you are too. What will be my focus today? Will I celebrate who God is, what he has done, and will do, or will I let the mundaneness or the madness of the world be my focus? Now let that sink in for a little bit, because if if you get a hold of those ideas and take that away with a determination to win that battle every day, your life is going to take on a greater sense of celebration, a greater sense of joy, regardless of what the battleground is for you. And I'm just being really honest with you, every day 
we have a battle to win. Are we going to focus on the mundaneness and just the grind? Are we going to focus on the madness and the, the things that we just look at our world and say, this is not a great world? Are, is that where we're going to live? Are we going to let that affect us to the degree that we completely forget who God is and our focus moves away from who God is and what he has done and the faith of what he will do in who he is? We've got to win that battle every day. And I live there, remembering and reminding myself to win that battle every day. For a long while now, I've been trying to win it right off in the morning. And then I realize that by the time I get to noon, it's wearing off, and I need to remind myself to go there and win the battle again, and again, and again. And so I'm hoping that with this very practical concept that we can get into some of the detail about who God is and what he has done, and what he will do, and that we do have a reason to celebrate regardless of what we feel. And it's not going to be our feelings. It's going to be God who takes us to a place that is helpful for us each. So whether you realize it or not, point number one, God gave you a personalized and wrapped gift. Okay, so we have here, a object that obviously looks Christmassy, and it's a wrapped gift for you to just kind of put that into a picture for you. God's Christmas came in a wrapped gift. It was a gift of a person. That's why we're celebrating. Unto us a child is born. It's the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we need to figure out Uh, what exactly that means and why this is such a big deal. So, do you recall, almost eight weeks ago now or so, I'm not sure, I think it is eight weeks ago, we started this series that we're going to be in for lots of different chapters, the story of reality, and we began at the beginning. So I'm going to remind us how we began at the beginning out of Genesis 1.1. In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. And as you recall, in that very first episode, we talked about how at the outset of any story, we begin to be introduced to the main characters. And there's character development that takes place, and that was true in Genesis. In the beginning, main character, God, created the heavens and the earth. Now let's go to the Christmas story and take a look at that beginning. The Gospel of John tells us in John 1, 1 through 3, In the beginning was the Word. Now, this should immediately make us realize that we're talking about the beginning again. And we're not talking about Christmas. We're talking about the very, very beginning. But then we get to the Christmas verse later, so let's keep reading. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. This Word... This person who's called the Word was with God in the beginning, and then his identity is revealed at verse 14, where John 1.14 says, the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. For unto us a child was born, the Lord Jesus Christ, who was with God from the beginning, who through 
Him, the whole earth was created, the heavens and the earth, that he was with God the Father from eternity past, the self-existent God. Everything we say about God the Father is true of God the Son, Jesus Christ. This is the Christmas verse. This is probably the most important Christmas verse to get a hold of the fact that Jesus Christ was no mere baby. He is more than that. He is the eternal word, the same one who started the whole story of reality. He's the main character of the whole story. That's what the story of reality is all about. We've now arrived at the center of the story. We've turned the page from Old Testament to New Testament, and we're at the center of the story. All of history has prepared us for this. We're going towards the climactic conclusion of history, and he's the center of that as well, and we're there. There's, I said, probably this is the most important verse, but it's a toss-up because there's another really, really important Christmas verse, but um, it's one that very few people will use as a Christmas text. So here it is. Hebrews 10, chapter 5, or chapter 10, verse 5 through 7. Therefore... When Christ came into the world, there's your Christmas context there. When Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I said, Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. Now, This is not a trick question, so you can feel free to raise your hand freely. I'm not tricking you into anything. How many of you have ever heard this text, and you remember hearing this text as a Christmas message? Okay, I'm not seeing many hands. This is a Christmas message. Why? Therefore, when Christ came into the world, when it was time for him to be sent from heaven to earth and take on human flesh, John 1, 14... There's a reason why he's doing this because all the burnt offerings and sacrifices of the Old Testament were provisionary. They were prototypes. They were just uh, Polaroid snapshots. Those of you who are old enough to remember that, right? Polaroid snapshots of what was to come that only the reality could make this work. So they were in sacrifices, buying on credit that would be paid off later by Jesus, a forgiveness that comes from the reality in the future. Just like we now pay or look by faith in what was already paid for us, paid in full to tell us die, Jesus on the cross, it is finished, paid in full, has paid for us, we by faith look back to the center of the story. This is just amazing to me. It's the same theme as John, where Jesus Christ is fully God from eternity past who came to earth to become fully man. Put that in your brain and it goes, how does that work? Well, as difficult as it is for us to piece it together, that's what is consistently taught from the story of reality as we've pieced it together and we start to understand that that's what is proclaimed and proclaimed, and we're going to look at it some more today, okay, what it is that we're celebrating. Now, the more popular Christmas stories, of course, agree with this, and when I read this from Matthew 121, you'll see it. She will give birth to a son, 
and you are to give him the name Jesus, Savior, because he will save his people from their sins. How are people saved from their sins? In a Jewish culture, they know exactly how sins are atoned for. It's through sacrifice. And now we've just read that Jesus signed up. He says, okay, you weren't pleased with Old Testament sacrifices. You already know that that's just provisionary. You already know that it's not really substitutionary. It's animal. I mean, how could that help us? But Jesus volunteers... He volunteers to be an actual substitution for us to trade places with us and pay the debt of our sins so that we can be forgiven. Good celebration. <laughs> Amen. When we start thinking about what, who God is, Father, Son, and Spirit, and what He has done, it makes our mind go poof. But it makes our heart just go, I can't believe how wonderful you are to go to that kind of, not only effort and preparation and clarity and, and to make this possible for me to pursue us to that degree at such a high degree of cost to you. Pain. It's an amazing, amazing gift. So please note, saving us from our sins can only work if two things are in place. Only the reality of a, volunteer, a volunteering, fully human person can function as a substitutionary sacrifice for me. Animals can't be a functional substitution. First of all, they didn't volunteer. They didn't want this. Secondly, they're an animal. It's not a good substitute. Jesus says, I will sign up I will be the second Adam. I will reverse the curse where Adam failed. I will reverse it. And I will be the human that takes their place. I will take on the body so that this can happen. So he has to have, we have to have a body prepared for him so that he can be volunteering to take on this body as a substitutionary sacrifice. That's the first thing that has to be in place. The second thing that has to be in place for this to work is that the sacrifice has to be pure enough and powerful enough so that it can save whoever believes in all of history for all of humanity in every race and every per people group from all of history past to all of history forward. And the only way that is possible is if he's fully God. Pure enough and powerful enough for this to work. And he comes fully man, and he is fully God. And that's why this works. The rescuing substitutionary sacrifice can only work if the volunteer is fully man, fully God. Now read the Gospels. It'll start making more sense, okay? It'll start making more sense because he always claims to be the son of man. Kind of a, a nebulous term because he is fully human, but he's actually quoting Daniel, which is using this term as a divine being, <laughs> which is interesting, and he is the son of God. So point number one was God gave you a personalized and wrapped gift. This is the story of reality, but this reality was point number two, hidden by his humanity and his humility. So this, this personalized wrapped gift is hidden by his humanity and his humility. Now let's 
look to Luke's uh, chapter 2, very popular Christmas-focused verse. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Now, just to say something obvious, but to, let's just make it obvious for us. Why do we wrap gifts? Here's a practical reason. Because we want to hide the contents until the time is appropriate. Why do we wrap gifts? The wrapper and sometimes the packaging hides the content appropriately so that when it's time, there's a, re- a reveal. And that's an important concept as it relates to the personalized wrapped gift that God gave us. Now, First, God wrapped the everlasting Almighty Son, who was eternally present with him from eternity past and will be to eternity future. He wrapped him in a package because he signed up to do so. Here am I. And he came to earth. Then, we just read, Mary wrapped him again. Wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a feeding trough. This, to me, is it's just, it's putting the same picture and the same hidden cover on the glorious Christ so that the reveal is hidden to all, which is interesting. Only certain eyes know. Only certain eyes see past the wrapper. And the rest, they miss it completely because that's by design, to hide the glory. Now, let me just let you know, if the glory was not hidden, he would have never been crucified. It's because the glory is hidden that he is crucified. Because he's so obviously man, how dare he claim things only God can claim? In the story of reality, this so obviously human being who comes in weakness, who has weaknesses when he's tired, who has weaknesses when he needs to be rejuvenated just like you and I and sleep, who is so obviously human is saying things only God can say. And the religious leaders do not dare let him get away with that You have to see this from a Jewish perspective because for a man to make these claims is blasphemous unless they're true. But they didn't have the categories in their mind to conceptualize this glorified Christ coming with these two features in place. He came in a gift wrap package that's doubly wrapped. We've done this. How many of you have ever opened a package where it's wrapped in one box and you're all excited and you get into it and then inside is another wrapped box, right? 
doubly wrapped. And some, some of you are so clever, you go for the Russian nesting doll effect. Boom, 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 boom. You, you, you know, you've got this really big box and maybe even hide weights in there to really disguise this thing. And it gets all the way down to the smallest package, okay? So here we have this grand package of the glorious Son of God, doubly wrapped, and it's hidden into this small, small package and put in of all things, in a feeding trough. This is amazing. In C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia, just anybody read all seven of those? C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia. This is book seven. It's the last battle. Um, There's an excerpt I'm about to read, and in it, uh, King Tyrion is thrown into a small stable And he discovers an entire world inside this small stable. So here's just a little bit from that book. Tyrion had thought, or he would have thought, if he had time to think at all, that they were inside a little thatched stable, about 12 feet long, 6 feet wide. In reality, they stood on grass. The deep blue sky was overhead, and the air which blew gently on their faces was that of a day in early summer. The door, said Tyrion. Yes, said Peter. The door you came in. Or came out by, have you forgotten? Tyrion looked and saw the strangest and most ridiculous thing you can imagine. Only a few yards away, clear to be seen in the sunlight, there stood up a rough wooden door and round it the framework of the doorway, nothing else, no walls, no roof. He walked toward it, bewildered. He walked around to the other side of the door, but it looked just the same on the other side. Fair sir, said Tyrion to the high king. This is a great marvel. It seems then that the stable seen from within and the stable seen from without are two different places. Yes, said the Lord Diggory, its inside is bigger than its outside. Yes, said Queen Lucy, in our world too, a stable once had something inside it that was bigger than our whole world. Our minds just go, how does that work? Well, when you're talking about the spiritual reality in the physical location, it's just too big to fit there, but he volunteered to go there. When you think about it, he volunteered to go even to the degree where he is so helpless, he's in conception, developing totally dependent on his mother for life. And then he's birthed and set in a feeding trough. Why? Jesus was wrapped in cloths and laid in a trough at birth. I can't help but go here, even though we're in the middle of the story. Jesus was wrapped in cloths and laid in a tomb at death. All of it is because of the hidden nature of the package that's trying to hide something that is bigger than can fit in our world. And it's personally wrapped and packaged and delivered for you and for me. Please note, any other story of Jesus that does not include both his humanity and his deity is a very different story than the story of reality. 
There are cult groups out there that teach a different Jesus. There's new age groups out there that teach a different Jesus. These are different stories entirely from the story of reality. If you miss on either side, his deity or his humanity, you do not have the story of reality. You have a different story of Jesus than the story that is revealed to us by God himself. Please understand this. It's very important to our eternity. Point number one, God gave you a personalized and wrapped gift. Point number two, hidden by his humanity and humility. Point number three, many people can't see past the wrapper. Now, while on earth, (laughs) who he is is hidden to so many, but not to the angels. I, I, I just... I wonder if they were just like, I can't believe you're doing this. You're so glorified. You're so grand. You're so great. I can't believe you're doing this. And so, please, 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 can we, can we just reveal some of the glory to some of the people? We know your glory. They, you can't have everybody miss this. I know it's for everybody. Okay, okay. Angels, here's what I'm going to let you do. I'm going to... I don't know if that's what it's like, but let's read the angels celebrating the glory. Luke 2, 8 through 12. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to him, or to them, do not be afraid. I love it when they pull out the angel card. Angel. Backside, do not be afraid. They only pull out the card for the good guys. When they don't pull out the card, they just go, you know? Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Now, we're not going to go there, but this was the one angel that showed up. God was really smart. That's like the understatement of the year. God was really smart. He, he sends one angel first. He kind of prepares the shepherds because the next verse you read is, and suddenly, wham, a whole heavenly host of angels, blah, really loudly start proclaiming. Would have just killed them on the spot. They got to see the card first. Get a little ready, you know, of uh, the glory of, of this thing that has taken place. Kind of prepare them when you have this otherworldly light of all the glory of all the angels, you know, they got to get them ready first, and that takes place. And I love what takes place then. The shepherds, after this takes place, they do exactly what they should do. They go run to try to see if what they've had just revealed to them, and they're convinced, boy, we just saw angels. This is true. Let's go see this thing. And they go find Jesus. One question. 
why does God reveal all this glory to the smelly shepherds that are looked down on in all of Jerusalem, in all of Israel? It's like the lowest job. It's like septic tank pump people. You know, it's like, if you are one of those, I thank you. Thank you, thank you. And uh, they would thank the, the shepherds as well. But these shepherds are sleeping with the sheep. That's where they're found, laying next to their sheep. They're all named. They have relationships with the sheep. It wasn't sheep herding like, you know, ranching. I, I got to keep going here. Um, so, and that's, that's just to let us know that it doesn't matter where you are and who you are. The lowest or the highest. We don't have time to go there, but... It doesn't matter if you're Jewish or Gentile or Gentile royalty, the kings, the wise men, the magi. They were from the east. They're not even Jewish. And God had revealed to them, I have a sneaking suspicion, Daniel and all his prophecies had a lot to do with the timing and understanding, and they're looking for the Savior that was prophesied by Daniel, who was highly looked up to during the time frame, had something to do with this. But these kings come looking, take a long journey. They've got somehow revelation that times it precisely, and these kings come before a baby. The shroud that's hiding the glory is there. It's just a baby in a trough, and these kings, Kings, they're wise enough, in a sense, to tip their crowns off, bow to the ground, and worship him. So God chooses select people to unveil the glory, to take the wrapper off when the time's appropriate, so that we too can have the wrapper removed when the time is right for each of us to bow before the one who is so much bigger and so much more glorious than we can have the capacity to imagine. He is our Savior. He is our Lord. He is our God. He is the Alpha. He is the Omega. He's the author of the story of reality. He has made it all. He has made me. He's the bread of life. He puts life into me. He's the source of every breath I take. Every joy that I have has to come from Him. I bow and worship to the Lord Jesus Christ, my Savior. Wise men still seek him and worship. Has nothing to do with IQ. Something much deeper. Their IQ gave them enough to be confused by the rapper. I still run into people that think Jesus never really claimed to be God. All of history, the documents both secular and within our sacred texts, show that he did claim this. If he never claimed to be God, we have this huge puzzle. Why did the whole religious community want him crucified? Yes, he did claim this. It's right at this claim and right at this junction point between the wrapper and the unveiling that the crucifixion the death, the saving death, and his resurrection, and the power of the resurrection to transform 
form us because he is God, that it can take place if it's so revealed so clearly in advance with no mystery, it would have never happened the way God planned from eternity past that it would happen. And it happened. And I'm getting ahead of myself in the story. Merry Christmas. They couldn't see past the wrapper, so they never opened the gift. Whatever you do, don't think you're a believer just because you believe in your head Jesus is the Son of God if you've never received him as your Savior and Lord. The gift is yours. It's not yours until you unwrap it, receive it, and celebrate this gift that you try to win the battle, and that every day is about who God is, what he has done, and what he will do as you make your life a thank you of celebration that's all about Jesus. That is celebrating Christmas. I want to help you and just encourage you to take some steps this week. So I put a next step on the screen that simply reads, what can you to elevate your celebrate between now and Christmas? What can you do to elevate your celebrate between now and Christmas? I've given you a lot of food for thought. But again, I don't want you to just go, ah, nice message, as if it's all up here. It's life changing. It's life opening. It's life steps you take. It's winning the battle to celebrate today. It's winning the battle to celebrate tomorrow. It's taking some steps to honor him for who he is and what he has done and what he will do in the middle of that battle that you're facing that makes it so hard for you to celebrate. Will you take some steps to elevate your celebrate this week? What a perfect week to do it. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you volunteered. We thank you for taking on this ginormous task, changing places with us, trading our sins for your righteousness, our death for your life, and being so pure and so powerful that death could not hold you or keep you down conquering our sin and conquering its consequence so that through your spirit, given because of your pure sacrifice and our reception of it, for whoever believes, we can celebrate today, regardless of what's taking place in this dark world, that we're yours, that you'll fill us with joy in life. It's in Jesus' name we thank you. Amen. If you're having trouble celebrating, you might try the prayer team to the left of the stage and say, I'm having trouble, this is going on, can you pray for me? That would be a great thing. Don't do life alone. Whatever it is, go to the prayer team and ask for prayer. Hope to see you Christmas Eve. Hope to see you Christmas Day. Hope to see you often. God bless you. Have a wonderful day and Merry Christmas.